All right, Luke, today, chapter 6, once again. In the passage that I'm going to read, starting in uh, verse 26, I will include, or 27, I will include the two verses that we ended with a couple weeks ago in order to get more of the, the context and really the, the setting um, and what Jesus is talking about because verses 29 through 36 is our main text for today, but they really hinge upon verses 27 and 28, all right? And so follow along, I'm going to start Luke 6, verse 27. Jesus says, but, again, there's that contrast. After he pronounces blessings, verses 20 to 23, and then woe in verses 24 to 26, and then again, but I say unto you, which hear... In other words, those who had a heart to hear, and there were some. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Again, that's kind of the linchpin, if you will, of this whole chapter. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, Forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful, and to the evil, be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the word of God today. As so much does in scripture, in the teachings of Jesus Christ, this runs contrary to the grain of our nature, to human humanity. And so, Lord, help us by the Holy Spirit, help me in bringing forth the message to rightly divide the word of truth. And then also, Lord, help the listeners, help us to be able to put these things into proper practice in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the reason why I mentioned that verses 27 and 28 are so important is that Jesus Christ is still speaking in that context. Um, he's speaking to a mixed multitude, and probably the vast majority of the multitude, um, if they had any inkling toward Christ at all, they were still wondering, is this the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that's finally going to get rid of Rome and all that sort of thing? So there's that element. And of course, there were those already that were against him, just vehemently opposed and then there were his disciples, and even one of them was a traitor. And there were others in the crowd that were just kind of curious. Uh, some had already been probably healed and, and everything. So a, a really mixed multitude here. So 
uh, the Lord is talking and he says, um, verse 29, um, I say unto you uh, that here, that's what he's, you know, verse 27, I say unto you which here. So he's saying, this is, I'm speaking to those of you who already have an inclination to hear. The word, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, the word translated here is a word that means hear, receive, perceive, and obey. That's all involved in the word hear. Right? So sometimes people hear without hearing. But a lot of times when Jesus uses the word hear, it's in that sense. And so like James put it in James chapter 1, but be ye doers of the word and not just hearers. And that's merely hearing. Um, only and so he's speaking to the multitude and so that very you know we're going to see that famous verse turn the other cheek that's what he said now and I, I why I say he's talking about them encouraging them in the presence of their enemies dealing with the enemies of Christ love your enemies verse 27 love your enemies verse 35 and so He's talking about dealing with those who are opposed to Christ and therefore will persecute them. He talks about that, right? In verse uh, 22 and tw uh, 23, about those hate you and shall separate you, reproach you, cast out your name as evil. See that, verse 22. For the Son of Man's sake. So for Christ's sake, because they would stand for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. You know that. I'm sure all of you, all of you who know Christ, you've, you've had some opposition of one kind or another. Now, I've never had anybody come up and punch me in the face for being a Christian, all right? But anyway, so, but I, I said that to say this as well. We have to balance because the scripture makes it very clear that we as, we as men especially, we have a right and a responsibility to protect our family. So, this is Jesus is not referring here to somebody who breaks into your house and tries to harm you or your family. You can defend yourself, right? He's not talking to soldiers because Jesus healed the centurion's servant and so on. And the first person to hear the gospel, the first Gentile, remember Acts 10, Cornelius a centurion. So it's, he's not saying that a soldier is sinning when they defend their country. So, but he's talking about personal injury as a, because of our testimony as a believer. It's obvious from the, from the context that's what he's talking about. So let's get into it. Let's dig in. And so I have a couple of titles in the bulletin. Um, the title is Being Christ-like in a Christless Society. A subtitle would be this, Impacting Our Generation for Jesus Christ. And here is a way that does not seem right unto a man. And uh, even many uh, professing Christians kind of get uneasy at passages like this. And so we're going to try to give you some, some guide light from the scriptures and tell it like it is, all right? Um, now let's take a look at two other scriptures by way of introduction. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and... Um, Galatians 2 and verse 20, because this, this expresses the attitude. First of all, it expresses a reality. All right? The reality for us as believers, Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I am crucified with Christ. Let's pause. I don't want to get bogged down here, but this is so very important. All right? 
Paul didn't say, I reckon myself to have been crucified with Christ. I, I consider myself in a spiritual sense, some abstract way, to be crucified with Christ. I'm afraid that some people look at it that way and therefore don't realize that this is you and me. This is every Christian. Every believer is crucified with Christ. Now again, we've, we've gone over this before, but the word I am, that phrase, I am crucified, is in an interesting text, or tense in Greek. English really doesn't have it. And so it's the idea of something that happened in the past with a continuing effect. So in other words, Paul says, I am crucified. When Jesus was crucified, I was crucified, I'm still crucified, and I will be crucified throughout my whole life. It's that, that's the idea. And so then he says this, and so... He says, I am crucified with Christ. Now, the Bible in Romans talks about our old man, dead, crucified, and so on, right? That our old life is, is, has been put to death. Now, nevertheless, in other words, he says, in spite of that, or because of that, I live. Obviously, Paul was still alive. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, that is, in the physical body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so there have been messages preached, there have been books written and so on, on the crucified life. Um, I don't know if we really understand that. Um, I'm, you know, but anyway, um, so really when Jesus is talking to his disciples here, he's kind of giving them in advance the teaching of a crucified life. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 20 for just a moment. This is another great verse that really kind of helps us to see where Jesus is coming from. Okay? Um, one of the things I hope, I, I fear in my life is, is to fail to practice what I preach. You know, you've heard that saying, I'm sure maybe you've said it, Maybe somebody said it to you, you need to practice what you preach. Well, Jesus Christ always practiced what he preached. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. Jesus Christ never told his disciples or anybody else to do anything that he hadn't already done, was doing, or would do. Right? Everything that he said to his disciples, he did. He didn't, you know, he's not like some of these religious leaders today. You know, like these Muslim terrorist leaders. Or they sit back in their fortress and they send little kids and out there to blow themselves up. That's so stupid. But anyway, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he was right out there. And his apostles didn't sit in some citadel someplace either. They were out there because Jesus said you need to be out there. Alright? So anyway, so Matthew 20, 28. By the way, this was involved, this context is they were having, in a, they were having a, a conflict among themselves who would be the greatest. Remember that? And at this point, it was John and James, their mother, and they, they came to the Lord and they wanted to have a place on Jesus' right hand, left hand, and so on. And so they got in there with the other ten were angry, it says in verse 24. But Jesus straightened them out quickly on that idea. Verse 28, Even as... Notice, even as means in like manner. 
In other words, we are to live our life even as he did, and this is what it is, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. There's two things there. Two things. The first thing is talking about his earthly ministry. So we could say the word translated minister is the word that means to serve. And so it says, Jesus in effect is saying, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And to give his life. Right? So if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about Jesus' earthly life, you will find out that he did not, he was not served. He didn't come to be served. He didn't say, hey, recognize who I am and act accordingly. Give me some respect, you know. No, he served. In fact, I was just reading not too long ago in my Bible reading when Jesus, remember when he washed the disciples' feet? And don't miss out, don't miss the great lesson. He said, you'll do the same thing. But he said this, you call me Master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. Jesus said, I am your Lord. I'm your Master. But he says, if I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. In other words, serve. Do it be it. Do like what I've done to you. So that was his life, all right? And of course, his ultimate reason for coming was to die on the cross to provide salvation. So, anyway, back to Luke 6. And um, let's just look at some things here in this chapter. Starting in verse 29, the first point is this, Christ-like conduct. If we're going to be a believer, in fact, you know, again, this is early in Jesus' ministry and he had these 12 disciples. One of them was a devil, he would say later, Judas. And then he had other people that were claiming to believe in him already. And all, like I said, a mixed multitude. And so he's speaking to them, if you're going to be a follower, and to us today, if you're going to be a Christian, there's certain conduct that you are to have. Right? Requirements. Like, you know, obviously I had no idea what Pastor Frank was going to preach last week. He had no idea what I was going to preach this week, but the two me- the messages are just so fitting together. What does God require? And in the, in the evening service, you know, what does He require me but to, to, to love mercy, to do justly, to walk humbly with thy God? And so here's Jesus saying the same thing in, in different words. And so he's number, number one, under number one, Christ-like conduct, the first thing is meekness. Verse 29. Verse 29 says, and unto him, again, notice, it's in the context, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you. By the way, you're not, it not, doesn't mean you pray for their doom. You pray for God to bless them, change their hearts, whatever. And so, and unto him, it's continuing, continuing thought. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And to him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Now, first, before we get into the verse itself, meekness, the word meekness, should be understood as humility, um, surrender to God, selflessness, total reliance upon God, 
and even the aspect of inner strength because meekness will keep us from acting and reacting in a way that would displease God. In this verse, Jesus emphasizes being non-retaliatory. Right? And people say this, I don't get mad, I get even. I don't get even, I get ahead. And, but that, that, no, that's not it. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, maybe it is, but that's not how we're supposed to act and live. Um, so he says... And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. He's talking about the idea of meekness rather than retaliation. Um, back in those days, and even in our, and I remember in the history of our country, let me, let me give an example. Do you remember in history or learning about the duels they used to have back in the day? You know, Alexander Hamilton, remember him? He got killed in a duel by, with, with Aaron Burr, remember that? You know how that started? Usually they would slap you with a glove. They would slap you in the face. And if you were a man, you would take the challenge and you'd go have a duel. Do you remember the story of Alexander Hamilton, why he got killed? Anybody know? Because Alexander Hamilton was a Christian. And he would, he would not retaliate. He knew when he accepted Aaron Burr's challenge... He knew he was probably going to die because he shot his pistol up in the air because he would not harm his opponent. He was shot and he died. All right? So there's an idea of, of you know, the idea of turning on a cheek. Now, don't even ask me because a lot of people, well, you only have two cheeks. But, you know, that's not even the point. The point of this passage is this. Don't retaliate when someone insults you or strikes you or whatever they do because you're a Christian. Right? Um, we are in the midst of a world where there are religious wars. All right? And don't let anybody tell you that the Crusades were fought between Christians and Muslims or Arabs. Because those were not, they were Roman Catholics trying to take over by force. All right? That's what they do. I have, a, I have, well, he's with the Lord now, probably, but a pastor in Canada was a missionary in India. And he was there during the time when the Catholics would send missionaries to countries to forcibly convert people, right? That's what Islam tries to do. They try to force people to convert. They use warfare, right? And, and, and our forefathers spiritually, I'm going to say those who held to the Bible Baptist doctrine. We have been persecuted all through the centuries and are being persecuted today. We have never persecuted. All right? And that's a fact. That's history. All right? Because Jesus said we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to persecute. So anyway, um, him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Um, Hear the word, see that little word, taketh away. It means literally to lift or to take away. And this can be by force or by suing. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 40, if any man will sue thee at the law and take thy coat, offer to him thy cloak also. So the, the possibility here is of lawsuits against us. And if that's if where there's a threat, what did 1 Corinthians, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 6? Don't, don't you dare, don't go to court with another brother. 
allow yourself to be defrauded before taking a brother. You know, it's a sad thing, and there's been cases over the years, or over this year, when the courts have settled church disputes, and that, that, is, that is so, so dreadful. Anyway, so this is what Jesus is talking about. So if somebody takes away your cloak, which is your outer garment, let them have your other one, your coat too, right? Verse 30, give to every man. So here's generosity. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, same word, ask them not again. Okay. And we're like, in this day, you know, like this, this can be such a game. You know, you, you take me out, and I'll take you out, and, and then you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours, and you do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. And it's almost like in some circles you have to keep score. Let's see, is it my turn, or is it your turn? And, you know, that's not what a Christian is supposed to do. Now, look, can I give you a hint? We're going through this quickly, um, but give here is the idea of helping those in need, right? And there was a lot in Israel all through the Old Testament and in the law, they talked about how to deal with people who were poor, who were in need, and you you could do certain things, you could give them things, you were allowed to take pledges and all that. But Jesus is talking here, uh, you know, a little on a higher level. Did I say that already? Um, the Christian God calls us to a higher standard of living than the world. I mean, code of living, I should say. I'm not talking, when I say standard of living, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about God expects more of his people than he does of the world. Now, I have an idea, I have a hint. This hint was given to me when I was first starting out in ministry because people sometimes call. They'll call and ask for money, right? I've had that happen over the years. Somebody will call us or somebody will knock on the door. Hey, I need money to buy diapers. I need money for milk for the baby. I need, we need milk or we need money for gas for our car. We need money for food, all right? And a, an old preacher, pastor, gave me some advice. It's not a wise practice to go around handing out money. So what, here's what you do. You say, listen, I will take you to the gas station. I will put gas in your car. Um, I will take you to the store and I'll get you diapers and milk. I'll get, go to the store and get you groceries. Whatever you need, we'll get it. I don't think we've ever, nobody's ever taken us up on that because they didn't want gas. They didn't want money, milk. They didn't want food. They were on a liquid diet. You know what I mean? And they wanted to buy booze. I know for a fact we saw one couple, we actually gave them two bags of food. This is a long time ago. The next day there's a knock on your door. We don't like any of this stuff. <laughs> So later that day, no kidding, later that day I see the guy walking down the street with like a 24-pack of beer and he's like, so I knew what they wanted. I'm not, and I was not, I mean, much I hope, I'm not going give, to give my money to somebody to go to the bar and, and, and waste it. So I'm saying that that's a good rule of thumb because you very, very seldom ever, and it will anybody take you up on your offer. And that's, that's too bad because if, if they really needed it and we can provide it, we would do that. All right? So, and him that taketh away the goods, ask them not again. So I take stuff. It's stuff. All right? Verse 31, consistency. By the way, wait a second. I want to, let's look at, um, time's really going. Let's look, take a look in Acts chapter 4 for just a minute. Um, um, th this generosity is something that is supposed to characterize the Christian. 
when there are needs, when there are real needs, and there, there are needs, and we have, we see people that have needs every now and then. Um, so in Acts chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 31. You should be familiar with the passage. Verse Acts 4.31, When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. All right, now let's continue. I want to bring us together. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Right, so the church in Jerusalem there, they met needs. And there were needs back then for whatever reason. And so the point is this, they did it voluntarily. This is not, and I've heard this, you may have heard this too, this is not Christian communism. This is not Christian socialism. Socialism and communism, you give it or you die. You know, it's forced. The believers saw needs and they helped. Okay? And I love this. Oh. Verse 32, Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. It's mine and I'm not giving it to anybody. No, it's not. Everything you and I have, where it's loaned to us from God. We need to look at it that way. It's not mine. It's not yours. And so... Generosity. All right, let's go back to Luke. Well, one more, sorry, one more. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, hopefully, you know, we've never been in this situation, um, but we might be someday. Um, this is what um, the writer of Hebrews said to the Hebrews, and they were, they were being persecuted. And here's what it says. Verse 32, Hebrews 10, 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, in other words, after you came to know the truth, ye endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. Now what's he talking about? He's simply saying that they were, they were persecuted... And they also stood with others who were persecuted. That's the whole idea of 32 and 33. For ye had compassion of me. And here's one of the reasons why, I mean, I don't have to say I believe it's Paul. I mean, this, this is Paul. In, ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So, that was the Hebrew Christians. They didn't, you know, they joyfully, because of Paul, compassion for Paul in his bonds. In other words, it didn't mean just giving to his ministry. It meant they stood with him and suffered likewise. And one of the things the persecutors loved to do in those days and still do is steal everything that Christians have. The church at Smyrna was poor, but Jesus said, you're rich. All right? So let's go back. Right, Luke 6, we've got to move along. 
Uh, verse 31, consistency. Okay? So meekness, generosity, consistency, and as you would that men should do to you, do you also like to them. Likewise, that's known as the golden rule. Um, and thank God we have all of the Bible, all of God's word as our guide as to how to treat others. Now Jesus is studying before them the word of God and things that they had not necessarily been confronted with. And I read this, I, I, this, this quote, the notes in the Life Application Bible commenting on this verse, this is what it says, this is commonly known as the golden rule. In many religions, now get this, in many religions it is stated negatively. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Is that what Jesus said? No. But that's how many religions put it. By stating it positively, Jesus made it more significant. It is not quite so hard to refrain from harming others. It is much more difficult to take the initiative in doing something good for them. See, that's an initiative. That's proactive. Do to others, right? The golden rule, as Jesus framed it, is the foundation of active goodness and mercy, the kind of love God shows to us every day. And then this, this from the Bible, the notes there, think of a good and merciful act you can do today. Okay? Now, all, of, all three of these qualities require complete faith and trust in God. All right? Number two, a challenging consideration. Now, again, this, is, we don't, this requires basically no comment, all right? 32 and 34, through 34, right? Jesus explains, For if, you, if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? In other words, that's, God's not impressed with that. For, even, for sinners also love those that love them. Boy, do they ever. You know, birds of a feather flock together. We were actually down Lake Cary yesterday, walking around a little bit, and our, our grandson, Gary Jr., is learning how to be a firefighter. That's a comforting thought. But anyway, for the Lake Cary Fire Company, so we go inside, and here's a picture, pictures on the wall of old firefighter. Hey, look, I know him, him, him. <laughs> and they, these three guys, um, let's see, Chuck, no, Carl, oh, I forgot the other guy. Let me think for a minute. Yeah, Jim, Dick, and Carl. They were like the three amigos, right? They were ungodly men. They got together. I was a kid. I used to be there sometimes. They'd get together in one guy's house to watch ball games and drink, okay? And they loved each other. They were friends. Of course, when they got a few too many, sometimes they got after each other. But the, the, the world loves its own. Sinners love sinners, okay? Verse 33. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to comment. And if you do good to them which do good to you... What thank have ye? In other words, God's not impressed. For sinners also do the same. All right? Verse 34, And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. That's the world. That's their philosophy. And by the way, the world loves to get together against Christians, against Christ. I mean, isn't it, isn't it interesting that what made Pilate and Herod friends? Jesus, their common enemy, so to speak. Remember, the Bible says they were at enmity. They became friends that day. The 
because Pilate sent Jesus to Herod to, to, to get him more, to mock him more, right? And Herod, like so many in the world, Herod said, oh man, I, I hope he does a miracle. But when he didn't, then he turned against him and all that. So, but the world sticks together for the most part. They, they turn on their own too. But Jesus says, if we do that, we're no better than the world. We're no better than sinners. And so here it is. Compassionate commitment. Verses 35 and 36. Here's Jesus says, again, here's that word. Beauty, but here's, this is that. In other words, he's saying this. This is what they do, but that's not acceptable. If you're going to be a follower of me, Jesus said, can't do that. That's unacceptable, Okay. So here's what you are supposed to do. Verse 35, love, but love your enemies. Again, the word love is the word agape. Jesus died. By the way, Jesus died for his enemies. The whole world was an enemy of God. You were an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God before I was saved. Do good. That's the, here's first of all the adi- the attitude. I love. I have this broken down. The attitude is love. That's the attitude. That's the spirit, agape. The activity is said mentioned too. Do good and lend. The anticipation is look hoping for nothing again. Don't expect to get paid back. Don't be looking for that. Right. That's not giving. That's not goodness if there's a condition, if there's strings attached. And, and here's the uh, result. Ye shall, uh, your reward shall be great. And I, I, I think it's biblical that when we think about reward, it's not just talking about reward in heaven. The title of today's message was um, Being Christ-like in a crisis society, but then impacting our generation for Christ. And so the point is, whether or not, however this all plays out for us, there is always the possibility and probability that if we live this way, loving our enemies, being good, and so on, that we're going to impact some lives for Christ. So that's reward now, as it were, blessing, and then of course reward in heaven, and Jesus even said about those who are persecuted, your, your reward is great in heaven. But then verse 35, look it. And ye shall be the children of the highest. Do you know that every word in the Bible is so important? But that little word be, be. In other words, you will actually be children of God, children of the highest. Um, the idea there is that you will actually live and conduct your lives as is befitting to the children of God. You'll actually be living the life of a child of God, a child of the highest. Now, when the Bible talks about God being the highest, it means he's, he's above everything, but it also means he's over everything. And he rules. He's sovereign. Right? Now, Look at look at the rest of verse thirty five. Again, as the the highest who rules, for what does it say about him? He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Did you get that? He God is kind unto the unthankful and 
to the evil. Let me, let me quote you this. I wrote this down. Matthew 5.45, Jesus put it this way. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to shine on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. I think that they talked about that in the book of Acts, didn't they? That he gave them fruitful seasons, right? That part of God's witness on earth is the fruitful seasons that he sends. Oh, yes, God does send judgment, right? And the point of this, when he says he's the highest, what Jesus is saying is that his heavenly Father is, is certainly capable of raining, having it rain in one area and not rain in another. He's able, he could send rain on the good and, and withhold it from the evil. Remember Egypt? Some of the plagues, God directed them away from Israel and put them on Egypt, right? In the tribulation, there's going to be awful things happening and God's going to protect his people. Now, look at verse 36, and that we're, we're just about done, all right? Um, be ye. There's that word again. Be. Now, in English class, we were taught that that's a state of being. I think in the Bible, it's a state of acting, all right? But anyway, it's a state of doing. Be ye, therefore, merciful. All right? Don't just say, yeah, mercy is a good thing. No, be merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Jesus said it this way, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Per yeah, perfect. Matthew 5, 8, you said, I'm saying complete, well, do it, doing everything that God would do is the idea there. All right, I want you to turn, please, one last scripture. John 13, let's go there, and i got to just draw a couple just conclusions here to bring everything together. Um, John chapter 13. I'm going to read a couple verses here in a moment. Um, while you're turning there, the last one of the last things I read from Luke was, "Ye shall be the children of the highest." Right? If you're if you're loving to your enemies, if you're good and kind and merciful. Jesus said that will make you like your Father in heaven. I want to say this, that li living like that will really distinguish us from the children of this world. All right? But then secondly, and lastly, in John 13, 34, I want you to know what, look at what Jesus said to his disciples. Another distinguishing characteristic of the Christian that Christ commands us to practice. Notice, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you lo also love one another. And why was it new? Because it came from him. It was a new relationship. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have, if ye have love one to another. So, these are, things that, these are things that Christ emphasized throughout his earthly ministry. So I'm saying that these two things are at the top of the list. In God's eye, in the, in the mind of Christ, this is, these are two things at the top of the list. 
that will set us apart from the world. Right? One is a a loving, kind, generous, merciful spirit towards the outside. Right? And then the second one is love for one another. Love for fellow Christians. Because I did, I said earlier, you know, Jesus even said that the sinners love each other, but I'll tell you what, that love is very fragile. Uh, have one of those sinners not be, not be, you know, given what they think they have coming, and they're, they're, they're the, the, the love ends. And we, you know, we, hear, we see people hear about all the time, people running all over the country, demanding rights and their, all that sort of thing. And uh, it's easy for Christians to get caught up in that and have that same attitude. We, the Bible says we can't do that. If we're going to if we're going to be a Christian, we have to have a different attitude. And you would, and I know what you're thinking because I thought it too. I thought a lot. Look, somebody might take advantage of me. Yeah, they might, and they probably will. We got to quit having such a stranglehold on what we've got down here that we guard it. You know, just guard it jealously. Don't don't anybody infringe on what I've got. So anyway, but that's that's a, that's the opposite of what Jesus said. Now we're going. Did Jesus, by the way, did Jesus Christ turn the other cheek? How many times did he turn the other cheek? Huh? You know, I was thinking of that verse in Isaiah. He says, "I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off. Oh, sorry, plucked off the hair." Right? He did everything he tells us to do. We just need the grace of God to be willing to live that way. We, we got you know we just we can't we just can't be angry and retaliating and and all that sort of thing and and the stuff that's going on in our country some I think well-meaning Christians are involved in some of these protests and you know that's that's just not us that's not what a Christian's supposed to do and I've talked to them I said what if Jesus were here would he be marching on Washington if Paul was here would he be marching on Washington demanding course not. And I've had people tell me that. Oh, I know he wouldn't do it, but this is different. We're living in a different age. Or yeah, the Romans are way much better than us, right, than, than Washington. Anyway, so I hope you understand. And it's, we all need to live this way. We need to live in a Christ-like manner. And of course it continues. This is not the end of it. It keeps going on and on through the book of Luke. And that's why I love Luke so much, because it shows the human side of Jesus more than, more than the other three Gospels, all right? Anyway, God help us. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the Word of God. And thank you, Lord, for the truth that Jesus set forth. And and he's an example in every way. And and certainly nobody on in history has ever been maligned like Jesus was. I hate to even mention this, dear God, but many people think that Donald Trump has been maligned. <laughs> Nothing compared to what thy son went through. And by the way, the son of God was always godly. Can't say that about the other guy. And so Lord, help us. Help us to have the right attitude, the right action. Just help us to truly be the children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know that there's any more fitting hymn that we could use at this time than hymn number 320. So let's sing it. 
This is sung as a prayer, and this is sung as a heart's determined hurt, a heart's longing. It's in the section of our hymn book, as you see at the top of the page, aspiration, as a strong desire. This is what I want to be. And so let's sing all three verses. Oh, I want to be like Jesus.
this spoke to my heart first, and the study of it, and how that little word be just kind of jumped off the page, and how we are called to be the children of God. If we're saved, Father, does anybody here that's not saved yet, maybe that person in the or however many, may they come to know Christ today. Help us to take the word of God to heart in this, in this generation, in this world, this country, where we live, our neighborhoods and so forth. And we just might show forth Christ where we are. Just pray for your help, the help of the Holy Spirit. We might truly be the kind of believers that Christ talked about today. Watch over us, please, as we leave this place. Clear the way we ask. Bring us back this evening. We pray that blessing on the service tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.